Disclaimer, the views and opinions and content expressed on this podcast is informational only, not a substitute for seeking a medical professional for your medical care and treatment. Uh, Now I'm going to talk about blood in the urine. So once again, just like protein, we shouldn't see blood in the urine as well. When we do see blood in the urine, this is a condition that's termed uh, hematuria. It's a medical term for red blood cells being in the urine. So red blood cells in the urine can come from the kidney where urine is made or anywhere in the urinary tract. Because the, in, the, in, the in the urinary tract, it includes the ureters. Those are tubes that carry the urine from the kidneys to the bladder or the bladder where urine is stored. It can come from the prostate in men and the urethra, which is the tube through which the urine exits the body. So the blood can come from many places. Seeing blood in the urine can be frightening, but most of the time it's not life-threatening. But it is important that we find out what's causing this, and it can be serious. This is what we will see typically if a patient come through the emergency room, they will come and say, hey, I have blood in my urine. So unlike the protein, you can't really, see, you can't see protein, but you can see blood, right? So uh, the patients will come in saying that they have blood in the urine. The biggest thing for us, is it gross or microscopic? If it's gross hematuria, um, that means that you can see the blood with your naked eye because the urine is normally pink. But in this case, it's red, purplish, brownish, or even tea-colored. This needs to be uh, worked up immediately. If it's microscopic, that means that the urine is normal in color, but there's a little bit of red cells that you could see. And sometimes if you put it in a microscope, under a microscope, you can see it as well. Um, So what's the causes of blood in the urine? There's a number of conditions that can cause hematuria, um, bladder infections, also called acute cystitis. This um, type of infection in the bladder, it causes burning or pain with urination. So uh, an infection of the bladder can cause uh, hematuria. There can be kidney fun- kidney infections, I'm sorry, uh, called pyelonephritis. With pyelonephritis, you can see the blood in the urine. With kidney stones, you can see uh, blood in the urine, but it's normally the person not will not only have uh, blood in the urine, they'll be complaining of pain to their, maybe on one side of their, their on their back, or what we call flank pain, which is basically the back um, uh, 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 under your lower rib cage. Uh, it could be certain kidney con- diseases, vigorous exercise or injury, after falling off of a bike, bruising a kidney, being in a, a motor vehicle accident, um, and having damage to the kidney area. You can have an enlarged prostate if you are a man, uh, which is common in, um, a common problem in older men. This, you can see bleeding in their urine if they have an enlarged prostate, and also from cancer of the bladder, prostate, or kidney. Uh, you see this more often in people uh, 50 years or greater. Sometimes the urine appears to have blood in it, 
because there are other red substances in the in the urine. This can happen if you eat an excess, excessive amounts of beets, so or food dyes or certain medications, peridium. So it's always important to find out what's the underlying cause. So what kind of tests do we do? Once again, we do urine tests to give us a clue about if it's um, a lot or a little bit of blood in the urine. We also do blood tests to, to, to look for evidence of kidney or other diseases that can cause it. Uh, we do CAT scans, a CT scan, and this shows us the structures of the kidney, ureters, and bladder. Uh, kidney stones or abnormalities of the kidneys, ureters, and bladder can usually be seen with a CT scan. Um, so we use this heavily. We also use ultrasounds of the kidney. Uh, it's an alternative to the CT scan, and it's preferred for people who are allergic to dyes that's used in CT scans. But the ultrasound uses sound waves to create a picture of the kidney structure. Um, there's also a condition, uh, a procedure called a cystoscopy, um, and it's most often done in the office setting, but sometimes it's done in the hospital settings, um, and it's where a specialist called a urologist, urologist, not the kidney doctor, the urologist is actually the surgeon. He takes a small tube with a camera and it's inserted into the bladder through the urethra. And he applies a numbing gel before the tube is inserted. Um, and this way he's able to see with this picture, with this camera, he can examine the lining of the bladder to, to determine whether there are any abnormalities. If abnormal tissue is, is seen, they take a biopsy, and they will look to see if there's any type of cancerous cells. And uh, that's how they are able to use that. And lastly, they can do a biopsy of the kidney to see if the kidney itself is uh, diseased. So once again, uh, what's the treatment of blood in the urine? We want to find out the cause, and once we find the cause, we address it. Um, so, but this is definitely a condition that needs to be followed up and worked up. And when you do see blood in the urine, you definitely should be following with a surgeon who is a urologist. Uh, these are the ones who will do investigations about what may be causing this blood in the urine, but definitely let your provider know, but they will refer you, uh, to a, uh, the, the urologist, if you have to undergo uh, procedures like cystoscopies um, and those type of uh, uh, conditions, or if you have to have a biopsy of the kidney, uh, the nephrologist can do that um, or have you sent to another specialist to do that. And lastly, I am going to talk about kidney stones because these are the conditions these particular conditions that we see quite often in the emergency room when it pertains to problems involving the kidney. So what are kidney stones? Basically, um, the, the term we use in, 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 the, uh, in the hospital, uh, we refer to this as nephrolithiasis or urolithiasis. And it, what is it? It approximately affects one to five males and one to 10 females by age 70. And uh, these are basically stone formations within the kidney. Uh, and, and kidney stones can form when there's high levels of certain substances like calcium, 
uh, oxalate, cysteine, or uric acid are present in the urine. So when these stone, stones form, uh, when the stones form, these substances are, are at a normal level, they can cause problems with uh, uh, definitely blockages from the urine from getting out of the body. So, um, and also if you're not drinking enough fluids, these stones can form. Um, the substances form tiny crystals, which become anchored in the kidney and gradually increase in size, forming a kidney stone. A stone can remain in the kidney for years or decades without causing any symptoms or damage to the kidney. But typically, the stone, the stone will eventually move through the urinary tract and is passed out of the body in the urine. So a stone may cause pain if it becomes stuck and blocks the flow of urine. Large stones do not always pass on their own and sometimes require a minimally invasive procedure to remove them. So who's at risk for having these kidney stones? Um, or what's the risk factors? There are certain diseases that could put you at risk for kidney stones. Dietary habits, which are eating, and even medications can increase your risk of developing kidney stones. Um, not drinking enough fluid, like I said before. You have a diet that have low levels of uh, calcium. Those can put you at risk for kidney stones. Uh, so use of calcium supp supplements, diet with high levels of animal protein, diets with high levels of sugar, fructose, sucrose, diets with low levels of, um, like, say, white uh, wheat, rice, barley, beans. With low levels of that, you're at risk for kidney stones. High-sodium diets, frequent spinach consumption. Um, and some of the medical conditions can be gout. Uh, you can be at high risk of the developing kidney stones when you have gout, diabetes, obesity, Crohn's disease. You, you've had a gastric intestinal uh, bypass surgery or even um, primary hyperparathyroidism. And these are conditions that you would have been diagnosed with or been followed by a provider, and they would definitely know that you're at high risk once you've had these type of uh, di diagnosis. So what are some of the symptoms that patients complain about once um, they, they've been encountered with a kidney stone? Uh, sometimes the kidney stone does not cause any symptoms and is only found when imaging tests are done for another reason. But stones can remain in the kidneys, like I said, for years without ever causing symptoms. However, stones typically do cause symptoms when they pass from the kidneys through the urinary tract. It's a painful process. So the pain is, most com is the most common symptom when passing the stone. So most, most often, pain only occurs with obstruction, uh, which is when a stone blocks or impedes the passage of urine from the kidney to the bladder. This pain can be mild, it can be a mild ache discomfort, or it can be one that fluctuates in severity, go away, come back without treatment, or it could be severe, where it's known as renal colic, usually lasting for 20 to 60 minutes. And it, the pain can occur on your flank side, that's um, on, on the back, it can occur on the side, it can occur between your ribs and the hip, your lower belly, or it can move towards your growing. So 
it's, it's very painful for anyone who suffers with kidney stones or anyone who, who's a provider who sees this. We know the patients complain of pain. It also presents with blood. A lot of people who have kidney stones, once again, will have blood in the urine. And the medical term for this we covered earlier was hematuria. So the urine may appear pink or reddish, or the blood may not be visible until the urine sample is looked up under a microscope. Um, you also, they may also uh, pass sand or very multiple small stones in the urine. We, we call it gravel or sand. That's what it appears like. Once we uh, collect it in a collecting device, you can see it looks up. It looks like sand. Um, other symptoms, they may have nausea, vomiting, pain with urination, and, a, and an urgent need to urinate. And once again, we diagnose this based on your history, your symptoms, your physical exam, and we can do imaging studies as well. CAT scans, like I said before, they show us the stones. We see it on the x-ray best this way, and we can also have an ultrasound, um, and it detects the kidney stones as well. Um, treatment, treatment depends on if the stone is causing obstruction and depends on the size and location of the stone as well as your uh, ability to hold down fluids and uh, your pain level. So we suggest that you, you know, drink a lot of fluids, uh, make sure, you know, um, you, if you can't pass it on your own, <laughs> you probably will have to have some medications or even go under a procedure to have it taken out. But for pain relief, we do uh, have patients taking medications until their pain resolves. And we do give non-steroidal anti-inflammatories such as ibuprofen, Advil, Motrin, Naproxen, Aleve, um, and we don't give these uh, non-steroidals for a long period of time, just for short periods of time, because we know that these drugs will affect your kidney. So you already have stone formation, and the last thing we want to do is cause the kidney uh, damage due to uh, long-term uh, use of these medications. We also um, can give other medications that can help with the passage of the stones, such as a medication called Flomax. Uh, this helps to actually open up and relax uh, the urine, the, uh, I'm sorry, uh, the, the vessels, uh, so that uh, the ureter and all of those can relax, open up a little wider for the stone to pass. Then you have, um, we, uh, uh, if stones can't pass because they're so large, Anything 9 millimeters, 10 millimeters that's big, those are going to have to be removed either by a procedure uh, called a uteroscopy, uh, which is a common procedure that's used by a uh, urologist. They use this type of uh, scope to look into, it passes through the urethra and the bladder into the ureter and the kidney, and it, it allows them to see where the stone is, remove it or break it up into small pieces. So this is a type of procedure that they use. They also can use lithotripsy, which is um, a type of procedure where it involves uh, directing high-energy shock waves toward the stone. Uh, these sound waves pass through the skin and, internal, and the internal body tissue and release energy at the stone surface. This energy causes the stone to break up into fragments that can be 
more easily passed in the urine. So the shockwave lithotripsy is reasonable option for people who have, who have who need help passing the stone. And it's particularly good for stones one centimeter or less in the kidney and the upper ureter. All right. But once again, the that will be discussed with the surgeon, the urologist who do these procedures. There's also called percutaneous nephrolithotomies, PCNL. Uh, it's minimally invasive surgical procedure where they use a scope as well uh, to uh, pass through the, 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 the skin of the back and, and into the kidney to remove the stone. So they go in through your back uh, and look for the stone and remove it that way. So it's more complex, but I'm trying to make it very, very simple to understand. Stones that don't cause problems, there's nothing to do other than drink fluids and it will eventually pass. And uh, are there any ways to prevent future stones? People always ask who have a problem with kidney stones. We always tell them, you know, once again, diet, uh, fluid intake, making sure you watch what you're eating, and, um, you know, taking medications to help reduce um, the, 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 the presence of the stones, like the Flomax. So that's my podcast for now Um, and to end this series on uh, uh, anything involving the kidneys, conditions of the kidney, um, and just to uh, just briefly talk about what happens when our patients do uh, have their diagnosed with end-stage renal disease. there's a conversation that will be had with the, the nephrologist who's the specialist and with that patient. And depending on uh, the agreement, they will talk about uh, intervening as far as uh, providing the patient with dialysis. So uh, that dialysis can be done through your belly or it could be done uh, through your arm once a graft is made. Those are the kind of uh, things that a nephrologist will discuss. But, um, you know, the machine will either have to, uh, you would have to have a machine filter uh, the toxins out of your body on a routine basis or do it through your belly with peritoneal dialysis. Um, And finally, if uh, you are a candidate for a kidney transplant and you have talked about this at length, with the transplant team um, because uh, the nephrologist would refer you to a, um, a kidney transplant surgeon if you would opt to have that done. Uh, that would be another way to uh, have an op- opportunity to have another kidney uh, versus the one that's been diseased and not functioning. So um, hopefully... This uh, podcast have helped to answer some of your questions that you may have regarding the kidney and some of the things and the conditions that affect the kidney that we will see in our um, hospital setting. And I hope all of this information has been very helpful to you all. Thank you, and I appreciate you joining me. Happy holidays. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this content, be sure to like, share, and subscribe to Help Me Holiday on our social media platforms 
or email me with questions at helpmeholiday at gmail.com. Yeah.